<laughs> Terrific. Okay, thanks. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. Or sorry, good afternoon. I guess it's good afternoon now. Uh, welcome to the December 4th OA Rise Speaker Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. My name is Sherry, and I am a compulsive overeater and bulimic, and I am your host for this meeting. Uh, OA Rise stands for Recovery Inspires Shared Experiences, and we are glad that you are all here. Will all those who wish please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, our unity with diversity policy, as we extend the heart and hand of the OA fellowship to those who still suffer, let us be mindful of OA's unity with diversity policy, which respects our differences yet unites us in the solution to our common problems. Whatever problem you may have with food, you are welcome at this meeting. Can I please have Diana read the OA preamble? Oh, Diana, I'm sorry, we have to ask you to unmute. I apologize. Can you unmute yourself? Uh, there we go. Perfect. I'm unmuted. You are good. Great. Okay, here it is, the preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experiences, strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeater and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diana. I appreciate that. Uh, and Sherry, would you please read the 12 steps of OA? Oh, and I'm sorry, I have to keep. Um, Janice, would you be able to ask people to unmute as we get to them? Thanks. I've unmuted. Thank you. Sherry, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we entire, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much, Sherry. And Felicia, Felicia, could I please ask you to read the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous? 
There you go. Okay. Yes. Hi. The 12 traditions of a Reader's Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, the OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OAs as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is, is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much for letting me do service. Oh, what happened, Sherry? You went out and came back in? Okay. There we go. Sorry, you guys. I quickly made Jan the host because I forgot I had my computer not plugged in and I thought it was going to die and we'd all go by. <laughs> so I was like frantically just trying to plug it in. So I was uh, not the host anymore. Okay. So thank you so much, Felicia, for doing that, uh, as well as Sherry and Diana. According to our seventh tradition, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. Should we happen to receive contributions in excess of our expenses, they will be sent directly to the World Service Office. Uh, contributions can be made by PayPal to our email address, which is info at oarise.org, or you can visit our website at oarise.org and click the Contribute Now button on the home screen. A uh, suggested donation of $3 allows us to cover the cost of the Zoom subscription, and it also helps us to maintain the OA Rise website, where we upload and store the recordings for you and for all OA members. Uh, your seventh tradition contributions are needed to keep the OA Rise speaker meetings going. And about this meeting, uh, this is a two and a half hour speaker meeting. At this time, all attendees are muted. This meeting is being recorded so that an audio only recording can be posted on the oarise.org website. Should there be a Q&A in this meeting, which there will be, and you have a question for a Wendy, our speaker, but do not want your voice heard on the recording, 
uh, please feel free to send your question to a to myself or the co-hosts. And today the co-host is Jan and Janice, uh, as well as Audrey, who will be joining us in a little bit. Uh, and we will read your question out for you. Uh, by sharing or asking a question, you consent to being on the recording um, and having that posted on the oarise.org website. Um, and a few tips for participating in this Zoom meeting before we get started. Uh, the chat feature is currently turned off and it will remain so until the end of the meeting. Uh, if you need any assistance, you can still chat with myself or the co-host, which again is Jan and Janice. Uh, please note that speakers are only listed as co-hosts, so that's Wendy. She's only listed as a co-host so that she has the access, I'm sorry, the ease of access to use the Zoom features, but she will not be able to respond to any questions during the meeting. So please communicate with myself or Jan or Janice if you have anything you need to talk about. You are welcome to change your name as it appears in Zoom. Um, I'm actually going to remove that as a possibility. So if anybody wants to rename themselves for any reason, please do that now. Um, uh, bombers seem to be taking advantage of that if they get access, which we will do everything we can to not have, allow them to have access to our meeting. But should that happen, um, apparently they've been um, been a bit sneaky about what they've been doing with them, changing their names to reflect somebody else's name. So I'm going to turn that feature off for today. Um, and then out of courtesy to other attendees and the speakers, if you need to get up and move around, if you need to eat, check your phone or talk to somebody who is in the room with you. Uh, please turn off your video feed uh, so that your actions will not be distracting to others. Uh, if that is necessary, we will turn off your video feed, but you can just send one of us a message and we will happily turn it back on for you when you're ready. Uh, please note that specific foods may be mentioned at this meeting, and we will take a five-minute break approximately halfway through. And finally, just a reminder that the opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA member who shares and does not necessarily represent OA as a whole. So it is now my great pleasure to introduce to you uh, Wendy, who is our speaker today. I'm turning it over to you now, Wendy. Wendy, you are muted still. You just have to unmute yourself. Hi, go. everybody. My name is Wendy, and I'm a real compulsive overeater. Thank you so much for the privilege and the honor of letting me be part of this meeting today. I, I see we have so far 17 beautiful souls. Oops, I'm not back on speaker. I'm going to go to gallery because <laughs> I want to see everybody else, not necessarily me. Um, thank you very much for the privilege to be here with 17 other people um, who are focusing on the 12 steps and being absent one day at a time and focusing on the recovery. I'm, I want to really compliment OA Rise right from the get-go. I'm sure there are numerous, numerous people that make this meeting happen for the last two and a half years. I, I consider, despite all the tragedies of the pandemic, many, many gifts have come out of the pandemic as well. And if OA Rise came as a result of um, th that global situation, then it's just one of the many gifts. This is such a well-organized, beautiful meeting, and it's a privilege to be here. I also want to thank Cassie, who I believe originally reached out to me. I had met Cassie at a, a Southeastern Alaska uh, OA function a few years ago. And then Sherry, who very graciously prompted me and took care of me and did everything to get me here today. Um, and, uh, and for time, you know, for just keeping track of everything. So I'm a real compulsive overeater. 
Um, I, I want to welcome, because I don't know all of you, I don't know if we have anyone who's new or new-ish, um, but you are so welcome. The newer people in the rooms are the most important people in the rooms. I really, really hope you hear something today that gives you hope and that you keep coming back. If there's anyone here who's anorexic or bulimic or put food in the garbage can, never to eat it again, only to pull it out 10 minutes later, welcome. <laughs> you're, you're in the right place. Um, to qualify, I uh, my top weight is 194 pounds. And I don't normally share pictures, but you know, why don't we just flash them up now if you don't mind sharing, then we can take them down. There are very few pictures of me at my top weight um, because first of all, I was in denial that I weighed anything more than about 150. And um, they're only pictures because that was at someone's house, probably Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, I'm not sure what I weighed there. That would have been in the late 1980s. And then the other one is, I went back to Detroit to get an award on behalf of my company. So that's me reluctantly, um, pretty sure that, that that suit was held together in the back with a safety pin. Um, at some point I couldn't hold my suits together with a safety pin. I had to get one of those giant safety pins. And, um, and you can see, I'm, you know, I know not everybody can see the picture but I'm holding my purse. I've got a suit jacket on and I am stiff as a board. And I actually think more important than the weight in that picture is just how uncomfortable I was feeling in my own skin. And I was like that every single day, whether my picture was being taken or not. So thank you, Sherry, you can get me off screen. That would be lovely. <laughs> um, I came into Overeaters and I, I mean, if I was just gonna summarize, I'd say before OA, I came in hopeless and had silverware in my car because you, know, you can only go so long without eating once you leave the grocery store. And today I'm full of hope. I have joy, I have bliss. Um, I don't weigh 194 pounds. I, I weigh in the one, high 120s. Um, I live a life beyond my wildest dreams. And I say that all the time. I don't just say live a life beyond my wildest dreams casually. It's not a throwaway sentence. It's a real sentence. And I say it so much. I have a second home group in Michigan because that's really where I'm from originally. I've been in Sacramento, California the whole time I've been in OA. Um, and I'll, I'll mention in a minute where my home group is. But I so often... I'm at meetings in the summertime, and I am noted for saying I live a life beyond my wildest dreams, which of course is a direct quote from Roseanne. It's not an original thought. Very few things that I say are original. Um, that someone from Florida who goes to that meeting quilted it for me, and um, she, she uh, needlepointed it for me and then put it on a pillow and had it sent to me, uh, that I live a life beyond my wildest dreams, because that's how I feel. I do live a life beyond my wildest dreams. I have been absent since August 3rd, 1989, which means I have been absent for 400 months and a day. I got absent on August 3rd. Um, on my anniversary, on my sponsor anniversaries, on anyone I'm working with, I always count the days for them. I don't count the days every single day, but I know because it's the fourth of the month that I have 400 months in a day. And I don't say that to impress anybody. Um, it's not about me. I say it to impress upon myself and anybody else who is feeling hopeless that this program works. It works. Um, there's no way that a fat kid from the Midwest who was raised by compulsive overeating parents who had no spirituality and no tools should be sitting here in normal size weight, living a life that is incredible. Um, and I'm going to qualify a little bit more, but let me say um, you've given me the privilege of, of being here today. You're certainly not going to hear me talk for two and a half hours. I'm I'm counting on some um, open sharing and some questions. And how I thought I would break down the time is 
that the first thing I'm going to talk about is two of my favorite OA tools. Um, and then we can have some open sharing or questions. I'm not an expert at Overeaters Anonymous by any stretch of the imagination, but if there's something I could answer, I'm happy to do that. And then we'll talk about um, absence through the holidays, which seems to be a critical thing to do on the 4th of December. Um, and then uh, we'll have open sharing again and, and questions again. I'm not an expert on Overeaters Anonymous. I'm not an expert on the tools and I'm not an expert on being absent through the holidays. So please take what you like and leave the rest. Um, I am, I always say I'm a real compulsive reader. It talks about that in the big book of Overeaters Anonymous, which is what I affectionately refer to that book as, um, because I'm not a borderline case. I'm not someone that sort of maybe a little bit had an issue with food. I, food is my drug of choice. I would lie, steal, cheat, run over the top of you, whatever I had to do to get to my drug. And I had an insane sense that I would die if I didn't get it. I've done some pretty weird stuff around food. Um, when I was in college at Michigan State in the winter, I had done a big binge the night before, apparently. And I went to get in my car. It was probably January or February. And a single uh, peanut M&M rolled out from the passenger side seat. And I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but that was like, oh my God, bonus food. There's, there's an M&M in my car. I must have it. I reached down off the floor, got it, popped it in my mouth, bit down it and broke my front tooth because it was the heart of winter. And those of you who are in Vancouver, I don't know if it gets cold enough for you to relate to this, but in January in Michigan, you don't bite into something that's been in your car overnight. So I broke my front tooth. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I had the crown replaced. I've had a crown <laughs> ever since I was whatever that was freshman, junior in college, because I thought I was going to die if I didn't get that food to eat it. That's the kind of compulsive reader I am. And I'd like to share a few passages from OA approved literature, if I could, um, that tells my story better than my telling it. This is what I refer to as the big book of Overeaters Anonymous. I, I know that people in the beverage program uh, value it a great deal, and I think that's terrific. I'm not in that program. And for me, this is the basic text in addition to the OA 12 and 12, and I'm really grateful for them. So let me just read four paragraphs that will explain what I'm like without the intervention of Overeaters Anonymous. On um, chapter three, on page 30, it says more about compulsive overeating. Most of us have been unwilling to admit that we were real compulsive overeaters. No person likes to think that she is bodily and mentally different than her fellows. Therefore, it's not surprising that our eating careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that we could eat like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, she will control and enjoy her eating is the great obsession of every abnormal eater. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. No real compulsive eater ever recovers control. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that in Overeaters Anonymous, I have witnessed over the years people who were struggling, who did die of anorexia, someone who actually wasn't in the program who died of anorexia, and a few of us I've seen die of bulimia or compulsive overeating in the program because we do pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. On page 24 under there is a solution. It says, the fact is that most compulsive eaters for reasons yet obscure have lost the power of choice in eating certain foods. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against that first compulsive fight. 
And I refer to that as the ism of my disease. And ism stands for incredibly short memory. I used to so many times prior to Overeaters Anonymous say, I am never, ever, ever going to eat this food again. So today I'm going to get as much as I can and eat as much as I can because tomorrow I'm never going to eat it again. It's like the last supper, if you will. And by the next day at 10 o'clock in the morning, I was leaving work, even though I was an insane workaholic, to get to whatever that you know food of du jour was that I was obsessing over at the moment. I'm crazy if I don't have the intervention of a higher power here. Um, I came into Overeaters Anonymous Agnostic. Um, and uh, excuse me, I came in as a program atheist. The chapter is called Reagnostics. I came in atheist. Um, it says in the preceding, if you, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when eating certain foods, you have little control over the amount you eat, you are probably a compulsive overeater, suffering from an illness that only a spiritual experience can conquer. And thank God this uh, atheist found a higher power here. The last thing I wanted to say in, uh, is in Bill's story. And it says on page eight, no words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Food was my master. That's me. I don't believe that 194 pounds was my top weight, probably. I think I just um, was blessed to come into Overeaters Anonymous and be intervened on. I think if I was to go back out, that weight number is just going to get higher and higher and higher. My disease is just out there doing push-ups. I grew up um, fat. I grew up, uh, we didn't have women's competitive sports. I don't mean to overdate myself for anyone who's just listening. I'm not, you know, 127 years old. But when I was in high school, we had dodgeball and maybe a little bit of volleyball. That was it. But I was the kind of fat kid that wasn't athletic, that was always chosen last for dodgeball teams or volleyball teams, or maybe, maybe next to last if, you know, the foreign exchange student was at the meeting. And then that was like a gift for me because then I was second to last. I hated that picking side because nobody wanted somebody who was overweight on their team. That was my whole life before I came into OA. I was just feeling um, shameful, uh, eating food, stealing food. I used to um, be the assistant general manager of a large public agency and I worked a lot of hours and um, there was somebody on my staff who had a candy jar of my candy of choice because they found out I liked it. And so he and his wife always made sure he had candy on his desk that I could eat. I ate it every night. And most nights I had to go to a Safeway or Kroger or whatever the equivalent is, wherever you are, to the grocery store to get some and replace it. And some nights I had to go back to the grocery store to replace my replacement stash of food that I'd eaten from somebody else. So I was... Um, just really lost and confused and didn't see any uh, solutions at all and absolutely was hopeless and absolutely believed that food was my recreation. Um, and Overeaters Anonymous, you taught me that food is recreation for me, just speaking for myself. It's nutrition, which I found very annoying to hear. Um, and then today I really believe because my recovery evolves, my belief system evolves. I believe that today it's um, medicine. I think everything I put in my body is medicine. So um, I found a higher power here. I found a God. I picked up the tools that were suggested, the literature, the meetings. I got a sponsor. I started sponsoring. I um, did writing workshops. I went to retreats. 
you know, I read the literature, I, I was of service, I did everything I could in LA to get abstinent and stay abstinent, and the program has worked for me. And what I wanted to focus a little bit about now is a couple of the tools that have been very, very helpful for me in my recovery. Um, there are so many that I could choose from. I mean, my goodness, we have a plethora of literature. We have so many different kinds of meetings we can go to. There's so much opportunity out there for recovery. But two things that I don't hear talked about as much are the two of the tools I thought I would talk about today. They're not necessarily, or they're not, one of the nine tools in OA recovery. Um, but they're tools that have been really important to me. Um, the first one, if I had said on the flyer what it was gonna be, probably two thirds of you wouldn't be here, which is I wanna talk about the traditions. And saying I wanna talk about the traditions can be the kiss of death in terms of people feeling like they wanna hear. But if I had said instead, how I deal with problem personalities, people would probably show up, right? So um, the first tool I wanna to talk about is the traditions. And you know, after I've talked some, I really wanna shut up and listen to what other people have to say about the traditions and how they've worked in their lives. And, um, and then I wanna talk about hope, which is a very powerful tool for me in Readers Anonymous. And then after that, we'll talk about absence through the holidays. So I, I'm very fortunate. Um, I, my home group is the Saturday morning uh, Sacramento Step Traditions meeting. So every other week we read a step and that's all we talk about at the one hour meeting. And every other week we read a tradition and that's all we focus on. I also have um, studied the traditions with my sponsor. I've been to a number of um, of the beverage programs, uh, you know, um, weekends focusing on certain literature, including the traditions. So I've had a, the good fortune of studying the traditions. And I think they're really important because for many reasons, obviously they're really important, doesn't matter why I think, but they're really important because they preserve the unity of Overeaters Anonymous and the consistency of Overeaters Anonymous. And just a snippet of history the traditions were written in 1944 um, as part of the grapevine, which is much like Lifeline in O'Readers Anonymous. And they were written in 44 um, by Bill W. And um, they were really long. I don't know if anybody, when I first came to OA, we didn't have the OA 12 and 12. We just had the AA 12 and 12 and we changed food to, um, I mean, you changed alcohol to food and drinking to compulsive overeating. So this is the AA 12 and 12. And in case there's some, anybody who knows it, in the very back is the original version of the 12 traditions. It's on page 189 to page 192, to three or four pages of the traditions. They were written in a longer form back in the early 40s. And then Bill W and AA shortened them in 1949. And Bill called them, um, he said that AA unity cannot automatically preserve itself. Like personal recovery, we shall always have to work to maintain. And he called them the 12 points to preserve our future. And in Overeaters Anonymous on page 89, in our 12 and 12, before we read the traditions, there's just a couple, a uh, little bit of it I wanna read. It's a full page, I'm not gonna read all of it, but the OA introduction, the 12 traditions says, when we first came to Overeaters Anonymous, we were focused on our own recovery. Most of us took the OA to groups we attended and the OA fellowship as a whole for granted, not thinking much about how they operated and whether they were continuing to be there for us in the future. Soon, however, we left behind our dependence on food. We began to rely on OA. We felt as if our only safe haven, it was our only safe haven, and we reacted with fear anytime we thought this fellowship might be threatened. 
I've certainly had that experience when my home group wants to take a group conscience on something and I'm scared we're going to change it. Um, yet we quickly found that we did not need to be afraid for the health of OA. OREARS Anonymous has 12 traditions that are designed to keep our meetings and service bodies on track, functioning in such a way as to nurture the recovery of all compulsive overeaters, bulimics, and, and anorexics who seek help in this fellowship. The study of the tradition shows us how these 12 suggestions have worked to help individual groups and OA as a whole solve problems, thrive, and be effective instruments for carrying the message of those, to those who still suffer. So it's pretty clear they're very important. And, and I want to talk about how I apply them to my life today, not just Overeaters Anonymous. Um, the 12 steps are all written in the past tense. I came to believe, and I admitted I was powerless. Um, I made a searching fearless moral inventory, but the 12 traditions are written in the present tense. So they help me tremendously with issues in my group meetings today. They help me with my marriage today. They help me with my, my business. Um, I live in the present moment. So all my relationships, whether it's a family member, a next door neighbor, my spouse, someone I work with, they're all in the present moment. And the traditions help me to stay in the present moment and they help me to stay in integrity and to be less selfish. At the compulsive overreader, I came in here so isolated, I really did just focus on myself. I might've had low self-esteem, but I was really focused on me and what I needed and what I wanted. And so being in relationship, I, nobody taught me how to do that. Um, the other thing about uh, the 12 traditions that I, how I view it as why they're so important is because Overeaters Anonymous is 63 years old next month, right? January will be, um, 63 years since Joe and Roseanne formed Overeaters Anonymous, and AA is 87 years old. We are first or second generation OAers on the Zoom. I, I, I personally was, didn't grow up in OA going to meetings that Roseanne was at, but I know many people have, and probably some people on the Zoom have. And we're at least second generation or third generation at best from OA. So we're hearing it pretty much while it's still fresh. And I want Overeaters Anonymous to be here 100 years from now. 300 years from now, someone should be able to walk into a room or whatever the um, form of communication is in the future and hear the same message, the same 12 steps, the same 12 traditions to preserve our future and to carry the message. If I don't have the 12 traditions, I might start carrying Wendy H's message. Now, remember, Wendy H was 194 pounds and probably not done. Nobody needs my message. I don't want to hear my message. So if I can stay close to OA and the traditions help me do that, then there's, then I can help preserve. And I think I have a responsibility to give back what was so freely given to me and help preserve the Overeaters Anonymous. So I came here to lose weight. I came here because I was fat and I couldn't give up the excess food. And I worked the 12 steps to do that with my sponsor. And now in order to be a part of the group and help protect the group, I have to focus on the 12 traditions as well to save our lives and the lives of those who go, come in the future. I think the traditions are really important. So I wanna talk about, I'm not gonna talk about all 12, um, but I'm gonna take four or five and I'm just gonna share briefly how I apply them in my life, both in Overeaters Anonymous and in other forms of my life to show how practical they are. I, I'm really grateful this meeting read all 12 traditions, not just the tradition of the month. I, I go to meetings sometimes and I don't even hear the traditions. So. I always think it's going to be a healthy meeting when I hear all the traditions. So tradition one, our commonwealth should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
And the spiritual principle of tradition one is unity, our common welfare. Again, I was raised in the Midwest. You work hard, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There was no sense of spirituality and there was no sense of greater group or goal, a group or whole that you needed to, to look out for and to take care of. It was all about being self-reliant. Um, and I think that in meetings, it's pretty obvious why we need the 12 traditions so that meetings are the same. You know, I'm sure many people here have been, there's already at least two countries and multiple states involved in this meeting. I've had the good fortune as I'm sure many of you have to go to meetings in other places. I've been to meetings in Japan and Greece um, and places where there's not much that I have in common and yet the same 12 steps, the same 12 traditions, the meetings felt just like home. I've never been to a meeting in Overeaters Anonymous that didn't feel like I was in the right place and that it didn't have that continuity of message. And that again, is just the direct result of the 12 traditions. We have group consciences, so we do what's great for the meeting. How I apply the first tradition elsewhere is I've been, uh, I met my husband in, in 12 step in another program and uh, we have been together 31 years. We would not be together 31 years if I didn't understand the traditions and our common welfare should come first. How wonderful, a common welfare. I didn't come into my marriage with a common a sense of common welfare. I kind of, his name is Tom, and I kind of thought there was like what Wendy wanted and what Tom wanted. And sometimes he would win and sometimes I would win. But we, you know, we were two individual people going through life. And what I've learned in Overeaters Anonymous through the tradition and from working with my sponsor is that there's also this third entity, this coupleship, this common good, this common whole, our marriage, our coupleship, whatever you want to call it. And we have a healthier marriage because I often will try to do what I think is good for the coupleship, which is very different than what I think would be good for him. Um, if I think it's good for him, then I might get into um, grandiosity or self-pity or some other delusion. But if it's for the common good, if it's for the coupleship, then I can do it with much greater neutrality and a much greater sense of unity. Another way that um, the first tradition has really been helpful to me is I have sold off my business. I, I still do a little consulting, but I, I started a business from scratch 60 days after I got absent and Overeaters Anonymous. That's not a coincidence. And I later sold it off, but I had 14 employees. More than once, but one time in particular, I had an employee that I was focusing on more than I should have. She, you know, I had 13 employees or 12 employees plus me that liked me and respected me and were flowing well. But I had this one employee that didn't really seem to like me and, uh, and didn't always do her job so well. And I started over-focusing on her and getting, giving her extra attention and giving her extra time and trying to convince her that I was the boss of the century or whatever it was that my ego thought I was. And it wasn't until my sponsor pointed out that I was sacrificing the common good, our common welfare. I had 14 employees. What was I doing over-focusing on one? And sometimes I did that over-focusing in, in a good and healthy way. And sometimes I did it in an unhealthy way. But I learned in Overeaters Anonymous, that it's not my business to, and it's not healthy for me to over-focus on just one component. So it's been extremely um, helpful in all my affairs. I'm going to skip over to tradition uh, five, which is every group ought to be, has but one primary purpose to carry this message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And the primary principle, the spiritual principle there is purpose. And in Overeaters Anonymous, my job is to carry the message of abstinence. 
it's not to carry the message of any other false step program is to carry the message of over overeaters anonymous and how I think that's really important in other aspects of my life why that tradition is so important to me is as we approach the holidays my primary purpose in the holidays is to be with friends and family that I love it's to be in gratitude if I'm driving two hours away to somebody's holiday event and I get caught in traffic instead of being frustrated on getting caught in traffic, I need to remember my primary purpose. And my primary purpose is to get to someone's house safely so that I can enjoy the holidays. And that that focus is so incredibly helpful to me. Don't lose track, Wendy, of what this is really about. It's really about love and gratitude and being with people. And everything else is just a men, um, you know, it ends the means. Um, it's helped me tremendously in my marriage to think that my primary responsibility um, is to listen and to hear, as opposed to, here's what I do without the benefit of the traditions. If I'm having a conversation with my spouse and we have alternative points of view, I used to think it was my job to convince him of my brilliance, how right I was. Like if I just said it enough times or loud enough, or maybe if I followed him around the house and told him a couple more times, maybe he just didn't get it the first time. Well, that has never helped my, um, and I have a beautiful, fabulous marriage. We're really happy together. But my trying to convince them of my way has never helped. What helps is when I shut up and listen. Kind of like at a meeting when we're taking a group conscience. If I just listen to hear what other people have to say. And then we try to figure out what's best for everybody. And we take a group conscience, whether that's as a family or we take a group conscience within a meeting. So um, I, I just, I love the fifth tradition as well. Seventh tradition, um, is every group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions and spiritual principle is responsibility. I get that. I was, I'm a very ultra responsible financial person. If, if we go out to lunch together and we split a bill, I'm probably gonna wanna pay the extra penny. I'm trying to recover and get over that, but I just have to pay my fair share. So the financial part wasn't a, wasn't hard for me. And financial part and when they were passing the basket isn't hard for me. What I had to learn in Overeaters Anonymous is that I need to be responsible for service. I need to do my fair share of service. Um, it's not just about the money. I need to do my fair share of sponsoring. I need to do my fair share of talking to newcomers after the meeting. And in my life, the seventh tradition tells me I need to be fully self-supporting through my own contributions as it relates to my emotional health. I cannot expect my friends, my sponsor, um, my spouse, anybody other than a power greater than myself that I found in these rooms to take care of me emotionally. Um, I need to do my, my share of housework. I need to do my share of work work. I need to do um, my share of attending to my needs and not look to other people and hold them responsible for me. That's a just real brief uh, example of how I use the seventh tradition um, in my life. I'm just gonna do two more and then I'm gonna stop talking about the traditions. Um, tradition 10, O Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. And the spiritual principle is neutrality. I am forever grateful since day one for our for tradition 10 and having no opinion on outside issues. I, I come to Overeaters Anonymous, that's all I'm gonna hear. I'm a triple winner. I don't talk about the other two programs in OA. I don't hear other people talk about 
Gamblers Anonymous or Al-Anon or Debtors Anonymous. This is Overeaters Anonymous and that spiritual principle of neutrality and keeping other programs out of the room, keeping politics out of the room, taking, keeping how we are, aren't handling the pandemic out of the room, unless it applies to the specific meeting that we're at. That's wonderful and such a gift because I always know I'm going to be home no matter where I go if I go into Overeaters Anonymous meeting. It's also really important for me in terms of all my relations because without the intervention of OA and the traditions of OA, I have an opinion on pretty much everything. And I will think that somehow I need to share it when not asked. It is not helpful for me to share if not asked. I learned that here. I've kind of grown up in OA. You guys have taught me how to live my life. And you know, I'll just give you one quick example. Um, my husband had a couple of siblings who lived in another country for a while. And when they were coming back, one of them doesn't have much money. And the other one maybe had more than that. And when they went to sell the house, my husband made some comment about how the younger sister should get an extra chunk of money out of the sale of the house. It had nothing to do with me. Zero. And yet the first thing out of my mouth wasn't, oh, really? Why do you think that? The first thing out of my mouth was to say that that was crazy. <laughs> And that she shouldn't, you know, whatever. I had an opinion that came right in my mouth, totally inappropriate. I had to make amends. And I asked him to do a, a do-over. I said, could you just say that again? I'm going to respond differently. And the next time I responded with listening and helpful and no opinion, I learned that in Overeaters Anonymous. I certainly didn't know that before I came in here. I didn't know how to keep my mouth shut um, and not have an opinion on outside issues. And then Tradition 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions. Every mind is to place principles before personalities. You know, anonymity is such an important principle. We're safe here. No matter what anyone sees here, who they see here, what they hear here, it's never going to get repeated or talked about outside of this meeting today. This is a safe place. And, and, and a lot of that has to do with the anonymity in the rooms. Um, also, what I've learned is in principles before personalities, I used to think that was about me staying neutral when I went into a meeting and I, like, let's just say I'm traveling. I was traveling one time on the West Coast of California years ago and they were smoking in the meeting. That tells you how long ago it was. And I had so many opinions on that. Um, and, but it's really not my business whether or not they do or don't do that there. That was the group conscience of that meeting. It wasn't mine. I used to think that, that the 12th tradition was about me tolerating the personalities of others. It turns out that the 12th tradition is about me being the problem personality. I'm the problem personality, not my spouse, not someone at a meeting, um, not a sibling member, not someone I work with, not my next door neighbor. It's me. I'm the problem personality and how I look at that. So that's very humbling for me. Um, I, I also know that I can get my ego involved and I love the acronym for ego, Edging Got Out. I was going to speak at the um, OA Region 2 convention in Palm Desert a number of years ago. And I was in um, South Dakota visiting my aunt and uncle who were in, in the beverage program. And I made some reference to needing to change my flight because of my work to fly in on Saturday morning at like 6 a.m. and fly out to Sunday afternoon. And I was worried about how, what that would look like if I wasn't there the entire you know, two and a half days. And my aunt, who's got a lot of time in recovery, 
turned to me and said, that's putting uh, personalities before principles. And the minute she said that, I got it on a whole new level. It really doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't matter what somebody else thinks of me. It's none of my business. That's just my ego wanting to be what? Like the good little good little O-air that I would not miss any portion of the, the weekend. I just, I don't know if any of this is making sense, but to me, if I don't work these traditions, I get really squirrely in terms of my relations and I could get really squirrely in terms of my meeting and maybe violate a, a tradition or a sacred principle of OA. So um, I appreciate you letting me share some on the traditions. I, I do wanna stop and um, open the meeting up for some open shares and people's experience, strength and hope on the traditions if anyone has any questions. And then we're gonna shift over and talk about uh, a second tool, which is uh, hope. But I would love to pause and just hear from other people about the traditions. Hi. Hi, friends. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. My name is Sherry. Um, and uh, I heard, um, I think I'm just going to add myself so you guys can see me too. Um, I heard a long time ago that uh, the, I mean, it's a bit jokish, but it's sometimes a bit true, is um, the steps keep me from being suicidal and the traditions keep me from being homicidal and um i i i definitely the the amount that i have learned from the traditions in being in um like uh intergroups or um sort of oa at the at the higher level where there's a lot of business being discussed and a whole lot of opinions and i have learned to recognize that most gen generally people have their strong opinions because they care. Um, and, but they just, everybody sees things differently. Um, and the, yeah, the, the, the traditions are, I, I find sometimes when I, re I reflect upon them in certain circumstances, they do, as you said, kind of, bring it back to be about me um, and who am I in this moment? Who am I in this situation? And I think the, um, the, there's like something that I'm, I'm grasping to, to explain that is not coming. It's like, it makes sense in my head, but I don't think it'll make sense if I share it. But um, anyways, I just, I, I think that it's actually quite a shame that there are, um, there's a lot of delay for a lot of people in getting to the traditions, um, as is the case sometimes with the big book. I, I mean, I was one of those people. I've been in programs since 1994, and it took me a good, I had a like a big book thumper as a, um, as a uh, sponsor, and, um, and it took me a long time to get into reading the big book and translating it into my own world and my own life. Um, and how it reflects to me as a compulsive overeater. And then the traditions are quite the same. You know, if, if there's actually uh, more time spent looking at the individual uh, individual um, principles that are in each of those. And, and one of them, I think actually the self-supporting is really interesting to me because when you look at the self-supporting, it really is, as was mentioned, 
about so much more than just the financial aspect of it. It's like I'm self-supporting in my own life. How am I self-supporting in, in, in uh, not only in giving of myself to others, but in self-supporting? You know, like how much am I supporting myself so that it's not, um, so that my relationships do stay clean? Because I, otherwise it's just like so much is, is, is put into somebody else and, and, and their, their reaction to things and how they feel about things that affects me and certainly affects my food. But if I'm also looking at myself and looking at how I support myself in certain situations, um, it's really, uh, it's actually, yeah, it's just, it's quite a, an interesting thing to do, to look at those traditions, reflect on them with your own program on each of them and see like how much can come of it. So I totally encourage people to do that. So thanks for sharing on it. Cause that's really actually, um, I don't hear it very much. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Sherry. This is a super safe place to share anything or ask questions or talk about what you don't want to talk about. It's a great way to be of service too, just to speak up at the meeting if anyone would like to say anything at all. Okay, so we, should we go ahead and talk a little bit about hope? I would love to talk a little bit about hope, which is the other tool that I wanted to reference today. Um, and, and I know at some point you're gonna need to um, uh, stop the meeting. I think it, it, it might actually line up perfectly. If it's not, you just stop it whenever whenever you need to stop. I, I came into O-Readers Anonymous hopeless, absolutely hopeless. I just, you know, I, I, I was fat from, my mother always used to say I was a fat baby. I don't know, it turns out I was born at eight pounds and zero ounces. I'm not sure that's really that fat, but I was always told I was a fat baby. Um, and I grew up with a mindset, again, with no spirituality, no sense of a power greater than myself, where we were told, uh, just push yourself away from the table, eat a few more vegetables. Like it was a lack of self-will. It was a lack of self-reliance. It was um, a weakness on my part that I was struggling with food, that I was hiding food, and I was doing all the insane things that I was doing around food. And, you know, I just pulling myself up by my bootstraps didn't work because I didn't even have bootstraps. So I came in here without any tools and without any, and without any, I hope nobody else hears that. I'm sorry, my phone just dinged. Um, I apologize if you did. I came in here without any hope. And that is the number one tool of my disease. My compulsive overeating wants me to feel like I am hopeless because if I am hopeless, then it's kind of like game on, screw it, I'm going for it. I'm hopeless. There's no way I'm ever going to give up this particular food. There's no way I'm ever going to eat three meals a day, nothing in between. There's no way I'm ever going to not eat flour or sugar or whatever it is that I feel like I need to abstain from. Therefore, I might as well just go for it. And every single day was my life like that. So that's why hope is so important to me because when I came into O'Rears Anonymous, I saw hope. I saw people who weighed a normal weight. I saw people who were working towards or maintaining a, a normal weight. I saw people who were going through home remodeling projects or lives or, I mean, or deaths in the family or work challenges or whatever, and they were abstinent. And I wanted what people had. I just really wanted it. And I really, I found hope here. 
Um, one of the things that has been a very good visual for me in terms of hope is a story about a gentleman named Roger Bannister. And I don't know here if people know uh, Roger Bannister and who he is, but um, the, for almost a hundred years, um, people were trying to break the four minute mile all across the world. People were trying to break the four minute mile. And there were 40 or 50 medical journals uh, and books that said it was absolutely impossible to break the four minute mile. But despite people trying, there's no way the human heart and the human lungs could run a four minute mile without the heart just bursting. And yet, amazingly, in England in 1954, a gentleman named Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile. The, the thing that everybody thought was impossible for a hundred years, they've been trying to break the four minute mile. Everybody thought it was impossible. It was a miraculous what he did, but how I relate that to O-Readers Anonymous is the second person to break the four minute mile was 46 days later. That's it. 46 days later, and today close to 2,000 people have broken the four minute mile. And the only difference today is that people know it's possible and they have hope. He did it, so maybe they could do it. They believed it was possible. That's what all of you do for me in O-Readers Anonymous. You give me hope that it's possible. I'm the fat kid who was always chosen last for dodgeball or volleyball. But how I heard about the Roger Bannister story is I was training in 1993 to jog, not run, but jog the California International Marathon. And I trained for that one mile at a time, um, one ice pack at a time on my knees. I trained for that the way you all taught me in Overeaters Anonymous to just take it one step, one mile at a time. And in 1993, I did jog the California International Marathon. That's impossible for a 194 pound, not that I weighed that then, but for someone who weighed 194 pounds, who grew up fat, who grew up in a very non-athletic family, um, it's impossible. And yet it happened. And the reason it happened was because I had hoped that it was possible. I, before I came into O, and so that's what OA gives me. It gives me hope. I'll give you another practical example of hope. Before I came into O-Readers Anonymous and I was in my 20s, I had my father had open heart surgery, which was really a big deal for me. I was really scared. They didn't tell us till the last minute. I happened to have uh, pneumonia or bronchitis. I don't remember which at the time. And I went to the doctor the day before his surgery. They weighed me on that medical scale. The next day was his surgery. I spent the entire day eating. I spent the entire day while my mother and brother sat in the waiting room saying, oh, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm nervous. Walking around the hospital, going to the gift shop and getting as much food as I thought I could buy at any one time and eating it all and then going back to the waiting room. I did that so many times. And sometimes I would buy other things like Kleenex or something just to like make it not so obvious I was buying a lot of food. And I still remember going back there late in the afternoon and the clerk had changed, but like the shift had changed. How excited I got that this person didn't know how many times I'd already been in the gift shop and I could buy more food. That was my best thinking before I went. Just go to the vending machines, go to the gift shop, eat a lot of food. The next day I went back to the doctor because I was sick and I had gained seven pounds on that doctor's medical scale, seven pounds in a day. That's the best I could do in my twenties without a higher power that I found here, without a sponsor, without the steps, without the traditions. Contrast that to today in recovery with all those tools. 
two years ago in October, my very athletic best friend and husband was not feeling well. We'd done a nine-day hike together a couple of days earlier, but he wasn't feeling well. So he decided to go for a bike ride on the American River bike trail to see if he could shake it. Um, when I don't feel well, I'm on a couch. When he doesn't feel well, he gets more athletic. And he was out on the bike trail by himself and he had a heart attack and he could have died because he lost consciousness briefly. He's, he's alive and well. He spent two days in the hospital, had three stunts put in. I was absent the whole time. I didn't gain an ounce while my husband, who was the love of my life, had a major heart attack and spent two days in the hospital in the middle of the pandemic, pre-vaccine, very frightening time. Food never entered my mind. That was just not what it was about for me. It was about him not, please not having to have a more serious situation than he did, which is still serious. But um, that's the difference of O-Readers Anonymous for me because you all give me hope. There is nothing that's gonna come up in my life that one of you haven't already dealt with. And if I need help in a situation, I can ask for help. When that happened, I wasn't talking about it in my home group much, but I, was, I shared a meeting maybe six weeks later in um, Santa Rosa, California, a couple hours from here. And I, there was a woman who just kept nodding when I was talking about Tom's heart attack and what that was like. And, and I kind of recognized her because I'd let her retweet there a number of years earlier. And I ended up calling her, not right away when I thought of it, but a few days later. And I asked her if she would be my sponsor. And um, I said, I, I need a sponsor. I can't go through this without some help. And you seemed so um, empathetic to what I was saying. It turns out 20 years earlier, her husband had had a heart attack and her husband died five or six years ago. For the last two years, she's been my, my husband had a heart attack sponsor. That's what I affectionately call her. My husband had a heart attack sponsor. I don't know how to do some of the aftermath of that situation without somebody else who's been through it before. And I don't have to because I have Overeaters Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous gives me hope. So um, I would love to hear some people share on the topic of hope and how you found hope in Overeaters Anonymous. Or if you have questions or something you just want to comment, that would just be so lovely. Thank you. That's my second tool, hope. If anybody would like to um, comment, please raise your hand, which is down in the reactions at the bottom. There we go. Thanks, Felicia. Hi. Um, I really can totally relate to your share. Um, hope. Um, when I joined O-Readers, I've only been with O-Readers Anonymous for a year now. And when I came in, I was uh, 325 pounds, I'm 6'2", um, and I was diagnosed with a cirrhosis of the liver, which I got from fatty liver disease because I just wanted to eat until, you know, I just wanted to eat. And, um, and uh, it was, I actually joined to save my life and have, I mean, 70 pounds less now, and I reversed my diabetes. I still have a terminal illness of cirrhosis, which is at bay, but I'm a whole different person, just like you said, with hope. And um, I came in when they said I had to have a higher power. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm Jewish. You know. <laughs> um, I fought it. I really did. And it was kind of like, I had to kind of fake it till I make it, you know, did the two-way prayer and 
and and did the the, the God box and and kind of worked a program that I never knew I had. And I, I developed a family here. Everyone here is just totally amazing, learning something every single day. And um and 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 it's uh it's you speaking. I I could totally relate to everything you said. I don't even know, but everyone here doing service and having these workshops. Thank you so much. Thank you, Felicia. Hi, everyone. I'm an impulsive compulsive overeating food addict. My name is Audrey. Oh, hope. Hold on. Pain ends. December's are a difficult month for me. Um, coming up on the 19th, it'll be a year since my sister passed away. On the 28th, it's going to be a 11 years since my mom passed away. And last night, I found out a friend of mine passed away. My heart hurts. Grieve. I don't think ever has an end. It comes in waves and I just surf those waves. I wanted some foods that are on my red light list. And I was like, nope, not today. Nope, not today. Nope, not today. I've been crying since December 1st. Um, but the food doesn't win anymore. My God is bigger and much more powerful than that food can ever be. And I'm so glad that I have two amazing sponsors. I have some incredible friendships within the fellowship. And I'm so grateful that each of you have claimed your seat today and that you're here. And thank you, Wendy, for sharing today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate everybody here. Thank you. Thank you, Audrey. Oh, hi. Reva, do you I'm want to share? Yes, thank you. I thought, I guess I'm up. <laughs> um, thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Reva. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you very much for your service. Thank you, everybody who's doing service on this meeting. And I also want to thank my friend, uh, Felicia, who just spoke a minute ago for telling me about this workshop. Um, thank you, Felicia. <laughs> when I heard the word hope, it brought me right back to my first meeting many years ago. I was well nigh hopeless. Um, I really had come to the realization that I just was never gonna be able to stop eating. I had failed on my last 
diet that was going to be the last diet ever that I was ever going to have to go on because this time I was going to I was going to be smart about it and not gain back the weight. Um, and of course, that did not happen. I started to gain the weight back and I was well on my way back up. And um, thank God I was seeing a therapist back then, a wonderful therapist. And thank God he suggested OA. And um, at my very first meeting, I got hope. I got hope from not having, I must have had a, a glimmer of hope for me to even go to the meeting in the first place. So I guess hope wasn't totally dead, but it was 99% dead. I had given up. And uh, because he suggested this meeting and I loved my therapist and he helped me so much. So I, try, I decided I would go to the meeting. I found one that I could go to um, not far from me. And um, there people were talking about eating compulsively and not being able to stop eating. And they weren't like they were talking about it all my life. I never taught, I mean, I would never, it was obvious that I was overeating, I was fat, but I never would talk about it to anybody or how I ate or that I couldn't stop eating. That was like a, that was a big secret. It never would have occurred to me that people like sat there in a group of people and openly admitted it. They just talked openly about it, that this is how they ate and they had this issue and that issue. And I heard people, I heard this one guy talking about packing a meal to take to work with him. And I'm thinking, what's a meal? It's like decades since I had a meal. I just ate all day. And um, something about that meeting, I, uh, it just gave me enough hope to go back the next week. And uh, hope was born from that. And so I say to people a lot, and I, um, when people get down about not being abstinent or whatever, I just, I try to remind them, I said, there's, there's no end to hope in a way. There's no end to hope. It, uh, there's always hope. Um, so thank you for letting me share and everybody have a good abstinent day. Thank you. Thank you, Riva. Hi, I'm Janet, compulsive overeater, binge eater, and sugar addict. And yeah, this program is, is giving me hope. I, I'm new to OA. I never knew OA existed until October 1st. I had been um, binge eating terribly. Last year I had back surgery, this year knee surgery, and I can't take pain pills. And so I always ate to comfort myself. And after my surgery this year, I was just, I, I was binging so much, I didn't know what to do. And I, I've always believed in God as my higher power. And I, you know, I prayed to him, Lord, you know, I need help with this. And all of a sudden I decided, and I know it was him speaking to me to look up online for books on binge eating. And i type that in and all these books on overeaters anonymous popped up and I'm like what that there's an overeaters anonymous so I went and then it showed the website and so I went to the website and it said find a meeting and I found a face-to-face -face meeting that was an hour away from here because I live in small town Iowa there's just not meetings around here so I'm so thankful for these zoom meetings 
but I went to that face-to-face -face meeting on October 1st, and then I went home and I started searching on the website for Zoom meetings. And I found one that I call my home one. I've been, I started uh, going on that October 3rd and I haven't missed a day yet. I, it's um, at 6.15 in the morning here. It's a New York meeting. And, but it's just giving me hope. I'm kind of on a slippery slope right now. I, I had gone 41 days of being abstinent and then I got COVID and I was coughing and I sucked on a cough drop. And now I've just, I'm struggling to get that abstinence back. Um, this is a hard time of the year for me. My son was killed on Christmas Eve in 2013. And I always have turned to the food for comfort. And although this year I'm not going to do that, I, you know, I've got my mind made up. I'm going to read literature. I'm going to get on meetings. I, yesterday I was on four meetings. I mean, I try and get on as many meetings as I can on the weekends. And, you know, I'm, I, I got a couple of days off during the week and I get on meetings then. So I'm, but this is giving me hope. I hear so many things of people. I mean, I was like you, I was a fat kid. I was always picked last. I was called fat names, you know, flab, porky, stomach. My brother was the worst one to call me fat names. <laughs> and, and, you know, you just get that in your head and, and that's all you think about is, you know, your body image. And so I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I know I've got a long ways to go. I'm working with a uh, sponsor on my steps and I've done a quick book study and gone through all the steps, but, you know, we're going slowly with her. And, and so I am hopeful that I'm, I'm going to be free of this and stay abstinent. I mean, I'm, I know I'm not going to be free of it. It's, you know, I, I know that it's going to be a struggle, but I'm, I'm very hopeful. So thanks for um, your share and thanks for letting me do service by sharing. Thank you, Janet. We're so glad you're here. Glad you keep coming back. Hi everyone. I apologize. My daughter woke up right just now. So if you hear a toddler in the background, that's her. Um, this is my first time in OA. Uh, I've never attended a meeting before. Um, I'm not really familiar with a lot of the things that are being talked about. Um, and I was not planning on sharing, but um, uh, I don't know. The idea of hope today is just kind of like an interesting one to me. I know that my my grandmother was in OA, um, and when she passed away when I was in high school, she was somewhere close to 600 pounds. Um, so I am struggling even with like the idea that this would be helpful because um, it wasn't for her. Um, but um, I know, and I wasn't super close to her, but I know from the way that her kids talk about their bodies, uh, that there's a lot of like self-loathing there. And I just really don't want to pass that on to my daughter. So I don't really know the purpose in me sharing, but that is just what I felt like I needed to say out loud. So thank you. Thank you, Angela. We're so, so glad you're here. Please stick around. We're going to talk about some really practical things to get through the 
crazy holidays absolutely and your share was perfect it was exactly what it should be you blessed us all thank you so much and if you're comfortable giving us your phone number or email you don't need to but if you're comfortable you know we could get it in the chat i know we all would love to support you i certainly would anybody who else would like to share about hope or the lack thereof i'm just going to say one thing i'm going to put the newcomers pamphlet a link for that in the chat as well it's a free newcomers pamphlet online. I am Carolyn. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I don't really have anything specifically to share about hope. I guess I didn't ask before. Uh, I wanted to ask Wendy about. Um, you said you. I think you said you came into the program. You were an atheist, and um, I not an atheist i believe in god but i wrestle with the whole higher power god concept so 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 much like you know he's busy there's wars or people starving you know or uh anyway so um and it seems sort of like come on this is silly you know why would i tell him if i'm gonna want to eat a cookie or something so i was really curious if you could i don't know if i missed it it came a little bit late if you could talk about how you feel like you believe in higher power now and how you like what you do maybe in your life to make contact with him or her thank you thank you carolyn that's a it's a great question um how, wow uh i'll try to share my experience strength and hope from two perspectives one how i found a power greater than myself and then two you asked what do i do to stay in conscious contact I did come in here atheist. My family actually belittled people who believed in religion. Um, they thought that was a sign of weakness or delusion or something. And God bless them, no pun intended. They didn't understand that, that there's spirituality, which may or may not manifest in terms of religious um, specific beliefs. And, and that it's all great, you know, any form of spirituality. So I had to pray. I called it step zero in the beginning. I prayed for the willingness to be willing to be willing that there was a power greater than myself who could be storming sanity. Um, I, I, I knew that other people had what I wanted, and I certainly couldn't have gotten it for them. So there was something here that was working. And I think in the beginning, the group was my higher power, the people in the rooms were my higher power. And I personally found it through nature. Um, because I, you know, you talk about uh, war and famine and all these big things going on. Why would why would a power greater than myself have time to deal with whether or not I'm going to eat a cookie or not? But somehow flowers bloom, and and trees grow new leaves, and the leaves change color, and the waves in the ocean go in and they go out, and all those things are happening at the same time that these big global events are happening. So there is a power in the universe. That again, for me, I initially found through nature, it's broader than that now, that helped me to realize, I know I'm not controlling the tides. I know I'm not helping a tree grow. So there's something way bigger than me out there. Um, and I I don't like the term, I don't like it, I don't have a term that I like. I, you know, I've heard big love, great mystery, higher spirit. Um, for a long time, I said goddess instead of God. My God is genderless, but somehow goddess seemed less gender-like than God. And and even now, that term is not fitting for me anymore because it's too limiting. I, the God in my understanding, I cannot describe with words, but I know it's not me, and it's more powerful than me. And 
you know, every day I roll out of bed, I get down on my knees and I pray to some power greater than myself, the third step prayer. And I thank God every day for my absence the day before. And I ask for the gift of absence again today. And then how I stay in contact is a lot of things. I, um, I just did a movie meditation in the park that I do every Sunday before I came to this meeting. I don't, I don't have a church. I don't have a formal religion, but I do many things that are ritualistic and that are grounding and help me find a power greater than myself. We have, um, a lot of literature in a way about God. There's also in this big book of, I call it big book of O-Readers Anonymous. It's really the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. There's appendix two in the back that talks about um, God and um, it's called the spiritual experience. Appendix two, it's on page 569 and it's very brief. It's one of the most powerful pieces in our literature. It's a page and a half, but it talks about spirituality and finding a power greater than ourself that can restore us to standing. So, um, there's just so many ways that we can connect with a power greater than ourselves, And I'm so thrilled that you're here. Please keep coming back. I'm going to stop talking, but we can certainly talk more about God as other people share it as we share after the um, absence of the holidays as well. Thank you. And I don't know who Odette is, but whoever Odette is, would you like to? Yes, I'd like to share. Thank you. I'm Odette, a compulsive eater, and uh, I, I want to I be sure I came in a little late. Um, it's okay to share about hope, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, I, uh, well, that's why I got on this meeting today. I'm very desperate. I'm in the sugar. And I've been around the rooms for years, in and out, and uh, for the most part, more in, because it's always been helpful, because um, I know I had this disease, and uh, whew, I tell you, um, I um, began to reach out. I've been reaching out. I know the holidays had me, you know, um, I'm very sensitive right now, and um I just kept reaching out. I'm in the sugar. I got into the sugar. I haven't touched any cakes or pies or anything by God's grace only. <laughs> sure, it doesn't do with me. But um, I've been binging like thousands of calories this morning. And um, and it's, uh, I just know that, um, and instinctively I got, I thought, oh, what about those meetings on on Sundays? Do they still have them? But I couldn't think of the name, you know. But thank goodness I knew of somebody who did share on one of these meetings. I mean, she had a lead. She was a leader. So I gave her an outreach call. She didn't answer. But in the process of my willingness to do that by grace, OA Rise popped in my head. Oh. Oh, are you able to hear me? It just said the the I just got an error message, something about the I'm muted now. I don't know if I'm muted. Can no, you hear me? We we can hear you beautifully. Thank you. Oh, okay, awesome. Thank you. And um, so I was able to, you know, click on the link and everything. So I came in late and I apologize for that. But I do know the hope is in these rooms. It's not with a, you know, I mean, I have a, sure, I have an appointment with the doctor this week, big deal. But uh, over the years, you know, even I have a, even a special friend who really 
empathizes with me and I was going to call him later, but even with, um, but something about these rooms, the tools, but it starts with the steps for me. It starts with the steps. God gives me that direction that there is hope. Cause see my disease, it convinces me there is no hope. I'm, I'm a piece of crap. I'm a piece of S H I T forget it, you know, hang it up, you know, but um, then something kicks in. Well, you know, there's a meeting. Well, you know, you there's this phone call. They're the tools. But, you know, right now I'm just at, back at day one and I'm just so grateful to be here. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Algat. Would anyone else like to share or are we at about the right time to do the seventh tradition and the break? Actually, yeah, we can take the break and uh, do the seventh tradition right after. Or how about after Lorraine? We'll have a share from Lorraine, and then we'll we'll do our break. Thank you. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> compulsive reader and bulimic. Thanks. Uh, lovely to be here. And uh, yeah, just seeing the link and and Kim came on. So really nice to hear uh, the shares about traditions and the hope as well. Um, it just um, yeah, sort of reminded me of my first meeting, and um, yeah, came in. I was, was like vomiting and having bulimia, um, and I got that you know sort of that sort of welcome and just sense that you know I was in the right place, a comfortable um, meeting, and people welcomed me. And then you know I just sort of kept coming. Um, it's been, you know, it's, it's 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 a layered journey for me, definitely. That you know, um, my bulimia sort of went quicker, but my compulsive eating um, has been a, a bit more staged. But yeah, I'm really grateful for this program, and um, yeah, find uh, I think it was nice to hear. I don't know if it's appropriate, but the, about the higher power, I had um, like a, you know, I, I definitely had this belief I wasn't good enough or worthy enough, maybe for. Um, to look after myself but this program's given me you know some of that um like sort of relationship with a higher power and sort of uh with other people that uh you know is growing um that belief that you know i'm good enough to to make these steps or to make choices that are, are healthy for me uh you know, when it comes to not taking foods you know sugar when offered or you know being in situations but uh, for me it's a slow process of just learning to to um to be in you know new positions with uh, with um, slightly different uh, I suppose requirements now and yeah but it's um, yeah it's beautiful to hear um, and I think about you mentioned about medicine uh, the food was medicine and nutrition and yeah keeping that in mind and uh, yeah thanks everybody. Thank you, Lorraine. So Sherry, I'll turn it back over to you. Yeah. But so for everybody, oh, go ahead. Wendy. Please, please stick around, everyone, if you can. Let's talk about abstinence and the holidays and how the heck we get through the silly eating season abstinently. Thanks, Sherry. Yeah, you bet. That'd be great. Uh, hopefully, everybody will stick around. We'll take a five-minute break. Um, so it's, for me, 24 after the hour. Uh, let's come back at 30 minutes after the hour. How's that? Everybody, go take a pee break. <laughs> and we can stop the recording right now. Thanks.
tradition. Hey, okay. We still, we like to have that on the um, tape so that if there's anybody who is listening and would like to help support the meeting, uh, that would be great um, because we do have expenses and sometimes we are only very, very close to meeting them. Sometimes we struggle to meet them. So um, before we resume the meeting, we would like to take a brief moment to observe the seventh tradition and pass the virtual seventh tradition basket. So according to our seventh tradition, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. Should we happen to receive, should we happen to receive contributions in excess of our expenses, they will be sent directly to the World Service Office. Uh, contributions can be made by PayPal to our email address, uh, which is info at oarise.org, or you can visit our OA, I'm sorry, our website at oarise.org and click the Contribute Now button on the home screen. A suggested donation of $3 allows us to, con sorry, to cover the cost of the Zoom subscription, and it also helps us to maintain the OA Rise website where we upload and store the recordings for you and for all OA members. Uh, your seventh tradition contributions are needed to keep the OA Rise speaker meeting going. And I just wanted to actually show you guys something because I'm very impressed with this. Um, so this is our, oh, where is it? There it is. So this is our um, the platform that we do the that's the platform that we do the recordings through, um, where we how how we upload them and everything. So this is I just saw this. So this is how many plays we have had. So this is how many listens we've had to our speakers, um, and this is just the number of people who have listened in the last um, seven days. And there's zero balance because we don't charge any money for this. Um, but fifty three, almost fifty four hundred. Um, listens is pretty cool so yeah so let's let's and I'm super glad that we were here when ODAT needed the meeting um to still find us that we're still going so I really want us to keep going so um if you are able to um throw us some seven tradition con uh, contributions and even more so than that we really need volunteers so I'll speak about that at the end of the meeting but basically oh, I'm going to do it now because I'm here um we really need some help um with the committee uh there's only a few of us who are making this happen every month um and basically we need somebody who is willing to just come and be with us and be in the background on zoom no experience is necessary whatsoever and just be here for one meeting a month um and then also attend our business meetings so it's like an hour-ish service during the month at the beginning of the month and then attending one of the two if you like but one of the speaker meetings and that's it so we could really use some help um so yeah so that is uh I've sort of talked through our seventh tradition time um but I am because I am need we are in need of seventh tradition so I'm just going to show you guys really quickly also most of you who have been here before know this but if you go to oarise.org uh, google it it comes up right away and here's our contribute button right on the very um front page so there we go. Oh, and that's my, uh, that's a workshop I'm doing. Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> I should go to stop sharing. Where is the stop sharing? There it is. Okay, you guys, uh, that is it for now. I will throw it over uh, back to Wendy. I think we've covered everything. Yeah, back to Wendy, back to you. Hi, my name is Wendy Still, and I am a recovering compulsive reader. And wow, I just am so impressed with the beautiful shares the courageous newcomers who have spoken so far today and the questions of the shares just really helped me in my recovery and 
it's so neat to hear from other people. So I'm grateful and I hope people continue to talk during the meeting. Um, so what can be more important than right in the middle of the silly season in terms of eating, right? Than talking about how to stay abstinent through the holidays. I don't know about you guys, but before OA, the eating season, particularly the candy season, started with Halloween, progressed through Thanksgiving, Christmas, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, you can get candy then too, that's unique. And Easter, which was just like, oh my God, Nirvana, Easter, there was like special combinations of foods that I haven't eaten in 31 years that you could get, um, 33 years, wow. Um, so most importantly, I think as we approach, as I approach the holidays uh, and Christmas or Hanukkah, you know, for me, Christmas was all about the candy. Well, how I was going to get it, when I was going to get it, how much of my brothers I could steal without him noticing. I mean, my brother is five years older than me, and he's clearly a normie because he has never figured out that I ate all of his Halloween, Easter basket, Christmas stocking candy, and just left him a couple of bites, as much as I thought I could get away with without him noticing. And he never noticed it. You know, he still hasn't figured out that I've eaten most of his lifetime supply of candy um, prior to my getting into Overeaters Anonymous. So it's really important, I think, for all of us to talk about and to share our, our fears and what tools work for us, because um, we can't get through this alone. At least I know I can't get through it alone. First and foremost for me is to try to, re is to remember the focus of the true meaning of the holiday or the event. I mean, this the stuff we're going to talk about now is the same as whether I'm on vacation in July or whether I'm at a wedding or at a birthday, it's what's the primary focus. And the primary focus is not the food. It might be for some other people, but it's not for me. It's about the event. It's about the people that I'm with. It's about um, the activities that we're doing. That's really the primary purpose. It's not about the food. That never gave me any joy and it certainly didn't give me any ability to stay abstinent. So I, I try to remember what, what the focus is. And then I try to remember that you know, it's just Sunday. Three weeks from today is another Sunday. Three weeks from today happens to also be Christmas, but it's just another Sunday. And I have to eat on Sunday the same way I do on Tuesday, the same way I do on that fourth Thursday in November. It's just another day. And because it's a holiday, I don't get to deviate. For me, my experience is that none of certain, certain, certain substances, which I've chosen not to eat, and there's a long list. I don't eat flour, I don't eat sugar. There's a lot of things I don't eat one day at a time by the grace of a higher power. Eating none of that is way, way easier for me than eating one or eating some. There are certain foods that when I put into my body, I, you know, I kick off the emotional obsession and the physical craving and I cannot stop eating them. So for me, I just abstain absolutely. And one of the tools that helped me a lot early on in recovery, I still do it. I go to a lot of open AA meetings when I'm traveling. And I did it the first couple of years of my recovery, especially because I have never once gone to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and heard someone say, well, I had a beer last night, but it was a light beer and it was my birthday. You know, they don't get to sort of do heroin or sort of do bourbon or sort of do whatever because it's a special occasion. And I have to view the foods that I'm allergic to with that absoluteness. Now that's just for me, just for me, because I'm insane. I can't sort of eat some certain foods. I just have to abstain completely. And I have to use the same tools I use all the rest of the year, which is um, halt, never get too hungry, angry, 
lonely or tired. When I'm embarking on a holiday or, or travel, I really believe that failing to plan is planning to fail. If I don't have a game plan for how I'm going to handle some Christmas party or Christmas day or New Year's Eve or whatever holiday is coming up, there's a really good chance I'm going to fail. I have got to have a plan of what I'm going to eat, when I'm going to eat it, and, and how I'm going to get it. Am I going to eat it there? Am I going to bring it myself? Um, what is it that I need to do to take care of myself so that I can stay abstinent? And when certain foods, somebody talked earlier in the meeting today about wanting something, when when there's something that my brain goes, ooh, that would be good, but I know it's not good for me, I have to think it through. We have one of the original pamphlets that I ever read in Overeaters Anonymous is called Before You Take That First Compulsive Bite. Think it through. If I think that I can have X this one time because it's the holidays or someone made it special just for me, which they're going to tell me that three or four times, and it's hard to say no to, if I don't think that through, then I'm going to be off and running. But if I think it through, or we will remember that, oh God, if I do that, then that whole incredibly short memory, that ism of my disease is going to come back and I'm going to be off and running. I'm going to be eating that insanely. Um, I have permission to, to tell this. One of my sponsors had 25 years of abstinence and was 75 years old in Europe. And she thought, I'm 75. I'm 25 years absent. I can have this little whatever it was. And she ate it. And she was back out for, I don't remember, maybe a year and a half or so. I mean, it just, it's not just this one bite for people like us. It, it's just, it triggers off the obsession. Um, practical tools that, that have worked for me and people that I sponsor and other people that I've heard talk over the years are to bookend a particular situation or a meal. If someone's going to be with family or at a buffet or someplace they're not comfortable with, text or call someone beforehand and say, I'm going into the situation and whatever it is you need to commit to, I'm not going to have seconds or I'm not going to eat there. Or um, if my sister-in-law upsets me, I'm going to go into the bathroom and pray or whatever to make that commitment before the situation. And then afterwards to bookend again and say, um, you know, lunch is over, dinner's over, the meal's over, or this is how it went. But during the pandemic, I started calling, texting somebody um, at the end of the day that my food was over. And I actually lost weight in the very beginning of the pandemic. That's not the case anymore, but I did without trying. But I still, I felt like I was getting a little squirrely around my food. I started texting somebody. It's like, I don't double bookend, you know, but I did one end of it. But for, for special occasion, bookending is a great way to make a commitment. And I believe our higher powers here that we would make the commitment in whatever form. And then to pat ourselves on the back and say that we got through it okay. It puts a beginning and an end to whatever that stressful situation is. I've been absent since August 3rd, 1989. And in that time, no food has become extinct. Not a single food does not exist today that existed then. Uh, there's a whole bunch of new ones, uh, flavor combinations. I see them sometimes in the grocery store. I'm like, wow, I used to have to put those things together. Now you can buy them prepackaged together. I personally believe that I am the center of the universe and that God, goddess, big love, the great mystery got me absent when they did because they thought, man, I don't know, this girl's going to make it in the 2000s or the, you know, whatever, because it's just going to get crazier out there in terms of food options. So I'm absent today and I, I um, know that when something occurs to me, this happened to me this morning, I'm walking back from 
my, my meditative practice in the park. And I thought, oh, that would be interesting, a particular food, which isn't an abstinent, whatever the hell that means. And I thought, uh, well, it'll still be there on Monday. It's not going to become extinct. If I want to have it tomorrow, I can. Before OA, I thought the opposite. Well, I'm going to have this now because it might not be here tomorrow. Um, and now I realize it's going to be there. All the food's still going to be there tomorrow. I can just wait and have it then. Another thing that I would encourage that has worked for me is to, if I feel like I want to eat something or I'm going into a tough situation or it's just a squirrely time of the year because of the holidays, is to call a newcomer. Text a newcomer. Volunteer to sponsor temporarily during the holidays. Volunteer to take calls or emails. Um, call my sponsor. You know, I, I don't always do. I'm not very good at that, to tell you the truth. I'm not really good at calling my sponsor. Um, when, I, when I'm dealing with something like that, I, I will more likely pick up one of the other tools. Um, you know, we've never been able to go to so many meetings and Overeaters Anonymous as we have now. Thank goodness there are Zoom meetings that we can go to. And we can call someone. We can text somebody. My phone number is always on the screen when I'm at a meeting uh, in Overeaters Anonymous. That's my cell. I love it when people text me or call me. And I do not have special family considerations that would make it interrupting for anyone to call or text me at any time, actually any day of the year, but certainly not through the holidays. So um, I'm certainly accessible. And if somebody calls or texts me, it'll probably keep me from compulsively overeating. That's been my experience. Um, another thing that I learned early on in OA, and it's particularly true during the holidays, if, you know, if you're eating at somebody else's house or I'm eating at a, you know, a place where you can get more food is to know my last bite before I take my first bite, which also was, you know, having a plan. But if I go over to the refrigerator uh, looking for a hug and it's not there and I think food will help and I start eating thinking, okay, I'll have the salad. And then as I'm eating, I'm like, oh, but also I can get this so I can get that. You know, that's not good for me. I need to know what my last bite is before I take the first bite. Another really practical tool that I love, and I don't know if it's an original or not, because I think very few things in my head are original, because I go to a lot of meetings, I've been around a long time. But one of my favorite prayers is to say, God, higher power, please come between me and the food so the food does not come between me and you. That works in a nanosecond for me. Goddess, big love, higher power, God, please come between me and the food so that the food does not come between me and you. Um, another tool I just had used this a couple days ago. I have a girlfriend, widowed not that long ago. I've really weighed in and, and become much closer friends with her. And she invited just my husband and I over to dinner, um, which we've never done. It's a really lovely thing that she's doing. And we're going to have dinner at her house in a week. And she said, that I'm so excited. I know exactly what I'm going to serve. Well, she's a normie. She doesn't know I'm in recovery. She doesn't know I'm in OA. And I mean, I could tell her that, but everybody doesn't need to know my life story. But when she says, I already know what I'm going to serve, I needed to, for my recovery, say, oh, what, what are you going to serve? And she said, kitchen cacciatore, chicken cacciatore, which I guess is her specialty. I don't eat chicken. I made a choice. 2010 or 2011 to give up all meat except for fish. And I, I treat that not like I would be 
breaking my abstinence if I was to eat it, but I can't sort of do chicken or sort of do pork any more than I can sort of do bread. I gave it up. I don't have it at any forum, at any time, no matter what. So I had to say to her, you know, Tom would love that. That'd be great. I, but I'm happy with just a salad. I don't eat chicken. God, that was uncomfortable. And that's not even about sugar or flour. That's about a normal food, you know, like a regular thing. And I still was uncomfortable, but I have to do it. I cannot go to somebody's house that's going to serve food that I can't eat. So I said, I'm happy to contribute to the meal or, you know, I can happy with the salad. And she said, oh, no, no, this will be good for me. It'll stretch me to figure out how to make seafood. And you know what? There's another option too I could have done, which is if she'd said, well, no, I can only, but you know, it's a bigger party and we're only going to have this. Then I can say, I'm so touched that you would invite me. I cannot attend. That's another tool that I use not that infrequently when it's non-recovery people in a all-you-can-eat food event is I just don't always go. Or I'll eat beforehand and say I ate so that I could control my own food. I know, I know a lot of people will take their own food to somebody else's event. That's great. Sometimes I'll take some additional food, you know, so that if there's nothing else, I know I'm going to have these fruit and vegetables that I could eat. But to either take our own food, say we're not going to go, or say in advance, here's what I need to eat. And I know sometimes that can be really uncomfortable. My sister-in-law once, when I was maybe 10 years into recovery down in Phoenix, made all the sugar-free desserts. I didn't ask her to do that. I didn't know she was going to do that. And she was really unhappy that I didn't eat them. But they're like methadone foods for me. You know, sometimes people want to be loving and helpful around my food plot. And that's not their job. It's my job to figure it out. So um, another thing, I'm sure that most people on this uh, meeting do this. But if somebody says, I had a girlfriend this week just say, oh, there's this new Indian restaurant I want to go to. Pretty sure I can eat the Indian food, but I always go online first, always go online and check out the menu just to make sure there's something that I can eat there. Um, in Not so much specifically with the food, but from getting out of the mental obsession is I do a gratitude list every morning. I do a gratitude list in my head all the time, all day long, but I do a gratitude list every morning. And if I'm thinking that I need to eat something, then I'm probably looking for a hug, not the food. And if I can sit down and do a gratitude list about a particular situation or do it in my head, then that gets me somehow the food obsession gets lifted. So that's really good for me. Um, anything I can do to be of service is good for me. Whether it's showing up at a meeting, which I believe is service, the minute you show up at a meeting, you're of service. Showing up at a meeting I wouldn't normally be at. Texting someone I just heard at a meeting three days ago say they're struggling. I can call and ask my sponsor for help. I can ask somebody else for help. And more importantly, most importantly, I think I need to believe and have faith that there's a power greater than myself that can keep me from eating this one day, one hour, one meal at a time. Um, there's also, you know, all nine tools of the OA recovery program. There's so much that we can do. I think the most important message about staying absent through the holidays is that we're not alone that we can reach out to people and together we can do, I love that in the OA promise that Roseanne wrote, together we can do what we could never do alone. Together I can stay absent. Together somehow for 33 years, four months and one day I have been absent. This fat, lost, lonely, atheist kid from the Midwest can be absent today, just today, you know, one day at a time. That's really all I've got. And what I've learned in Overeaters Anonymous is 
now that I am abstinent, I have that miracle. I don't want to give it away. I, I really think my recovery is easier than someone who is struggling with the food. It's much easier to stay abstinent once you're abstinent than it is to get abstinent. So if someone is struggling with abstinence, if you can let us help you through the steps and through sponsorship and other ways of support to get abstinent, I guarantee you it is the easier, softer way. Absence is the easier, softer way rather than doing something that I'm trying to manage because I could never, ever manage my food or my weight. Definitely have to rely on a power greater than myself. So um, again, together we can do what we could never do alone. And I would love to hear what is working for other people to get them through this holiday season. Or, you know, this is a very safe place. If, if there's a scary situation, you're not sure how to handle it, or you did something today with food that you're already beating yourself up over, there's nothing that we can't say to each other and not be safe. It's an anonymous safe program. So getting absent during the holidays, staying absent during the holidays, anything around absence or anything else that you want to talk about, I'd love to hear from you. Felicia. Hi. Okay. So, um, I went out to a restaurant for Thanksgiving. Um, it was a prefixed menu. I went with a friend, um, and I called ahead and said that I couldn't have the deserted fresh fruit. So I, I, I knew what I was going to get. I planned ahead. And not only am I on a low calorie, I'm also on a 2000 milligram restriction sodium. So I, everything I, I eat is weighed and measured specifically. Um, and, it, and it went well, 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 than I, more than I expected, but I noticed that I was getting anxious and I started to eat kind of fast. Um, but I calmed myself down and, and it, it's about being with people. See, I've been isolated for such a long time because I'm immunocompromised and homebound, so I don't really go out. So it was, it was a challenge, you know, to go, but I'm glad I went. But I've been invited for Christmas at their home and they're Italian and I'm half Italian. So there's gonna be a lot of food there, a lot of food. And I'm not really, you know, I'm not that long standing in my abstinence and I'm not sure I'm gonna feel comfortable with people eating in front of me and, and all this food. So I don't know whether, I told her that I didn't really think I was gonna go. But my friend said, it's about being around your friends and your family, you shouldn't be by yourself. But like you said, it's just, it's just another day. It's just Christmas and New Year's is just a different day. So I don't know if I'm using it to isolate, more isolate, or I'm protecting myself by not going to, a, um, by not uh, putting, or am I doing the right thing? I don't know, I don't know. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> Thank you, Felicia, for sharing. I thought I saw a couple other hands, no? Sherry. <laughs> it's quicker for me to raise my hand than to put my hand up and then wait for me to unmute myself. <laughs> um, hi, friends. I'm a compulsive over here in Plain My name is Sherry. Um, there's a lot of things that actually I have uh, been lucky to learn over many years of attending. We have a, 
a special candlelight meeting that happens here in um, our area in Vancouver, BC area. And um, sorry, I don't know why I automatically just want to put my hair up whenever I see myself on screen. Some weird kind of reaction thing. I have to look at I have to look at what that is because it's clearly a an image uncomfortable thing with seeing myself. So got to spend some time looking at that. Um, Anyways, um, yeah, so there's a candlelight meeting that happens here in our area. It used to be in person, now it's on Zoom, and um, and it's a beautiful meeting, and we often have somebody speak, and then lots of people share about how they stay abstinent through the holidays, and so a couple of things that I will pick up, that I have picked up that have meant a lot to me over the years is one is be of service, so rather than like going into an event or family or whatever, which sometimes can be challenging for people I know, is to um, is to think of what can I bring to this rather than what am I going to get out of this? And so it's like if I'm there and it's like, well, I can um, clear dishes away. I can do dishes. If there's kids, I can go spend time with the kids. I mean, there's like things to do to be of service. And the other thing is always to play the tape through to the end, um, as in, do I really think, and I go through this a lot during the year as well, but certainly at Christmas, it's like, do I really think that if I go ahead, I'm just going to have these, this Christmas cookie that's here right now? Do I really think that that Christmas cookie that I have right now is not going to mean that in a couple of days, I'll be like, mm, I was okay when I had that other Christmas cookie. I probably am going to be okay now. It's just like, do I really think that one Christmas cookie is not going to hold hands with another hundred? Like it's not, it's going to happen, you know? So it's like play the tape through of like, look at the consequences and will those potentially happen? And then if I say yes, then I'm responsible for the consequences because I've accepted it, you know? So it's, um, um, yeah. And, and the last thing that I just want to share about it is something that was really special that happened to me years ago is um, my mom used to make a certain, my mom used to make shortbread and there was a thing that she um, would always just, uh, uh, it was a really great recipe and everything. And it was very special, very my mom, very much my mom. And it's something my mom did every year. My mom died suddenly in 2007 and she was uh, my best everything. And, um, and it was uh, sudden and awful and it still pains me to this day. Um, and so at one point years ago, I was just feeling, I just really wanted to feel so close to my mom at Christmas. And that was the thing that was coming to me was just to have a mom thing, a mom comfort thing. And then I had this, and I wouldn't say it's my mom's voice, but it was like a message that came through and said, um, I love you too much. If I were there, I, I love you too much to make you shortbread for Christmas. like that that's not what my mom would want because she loved me too much to have me do that to myself. Um, and so, yeah, so that was really eye-opening as well. So I think about that now. It's like mom would, mom loves me so much that she wouldn't want to make that for me, even though that was her every, that was her thing at Christmas to give to everybody. So yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you, Sherry. Janet, do you want to share yeah, I just, um, I, the, the, uh, Felicia, what she shared about not wanting to go, um, Thanksgiving day, I, my granddaughters were going to their moms and my son had, he just had a day off and wanted to do stuff. And I said, that's fine, you know, and 
And I had four places I could have gone. And I just didn't think I had enough food neutrality to go there and not not eat the pumpkin pie or the pecan pie. So I just said, you know, no, I just want to stay home and get my Christmas tree up, you know, because it's a day off. And so I did. And it was just another day. And so I, I didn't go to any of the places. And then uh, this last Friday night, we had a Christmas luncheon that every year there's a Christmas luncheon at a church that I used to attend. And so I took my own salad dressing because they always have a salad. It's always a catered meal. They always have chicken and potato. <clears throat> and so I knew I could eat the chicken and the potato. And but the dessert, you know, I, I was just not going to have the dessert. Well, it happened to be that when the desserts were passed and it's it's a ladies luncheon and all the men in the church are the waiters and and then and there's like over a hundred some ladies that attend and our table was closest to the kitchen so our table got served the dessert first and I happened to be up visiting with people that I hadn't seen for the last year and you know by the time their food their dessert came I went back to my table and everybody at my table was done with their dessert so that helped me in that way that I, I didn't have to worry about whether I was going to, you know, cheat or not because they were already done. So that worked out for me. Thank you, Janet. Jane, would you like to share? Jan. Jan, Jan, I'm sorry. I put, <laughs> it's the glasses, I, glasses I know. On. It's the glasses. I did it wrong. I'm sorry, Jan. <laughs> it's okay. I spelled my name for somebody once and they still called me Jane. I don't know what it is. <laughs> anyway, I'm a compulsive overeater and my name is Jan. Um, I have a Kleenex ready because I may cry. Uh, yeah, I'm going to cry. Uh, my family is all over the place geographically. I have cousins all across Canada. And my mom and, and my brother and his family live on Vancouver Island, which is takes it's about a four hour trip for me to get to them. And I'm going there for Christmas. I, I except for COVID years, I've gone every year for Christmas since they moved over there. And it has been about the food. There's a, a particular cookie that my mom makes that has been a tradition in our family for the little kids to ice them. And that's been happening since I was a little kid. And then my cousins did it. And now their kids won't see them at Christmas. So I don't know whether they do it themselves. But it's just, it's, it's the one thing that I hope she doesn't make because I have a hard time not eating them. All the other, there's not a lot of sweets that get made in my family, but sweets are my thing. And, um, and I, I don't feel like I could say I could resist them right now. So um, I will have to take a big higher power with me. But my mom doesn't put up a Christmas tree anymore because it's just her. And it's Christmas has always been really special to me. And it's not anymore because there's no one around. It used to be a big family thing where all of the family came. I can't do that because of geography, no, I, I get it. But it, it doesn't feel like Christmas anymore. And maybe I need to make that more about the people and 
activities than um, than being about the things I remember from when I was a kid. So, plus I have to clean my apartment for the cat sitter before I go. It's always bad. So, I guess that's just what I'm feeling today, and it's okay to feel what I feel. So, thanks. Thank you, Jam. Anyone else want to share what they don't want to share, what they don't want to talk about, or what they do want to talk about? Janice. Janice. Hi, I'm Janice, compulsive eater. Janice. And um, I appreciated, and I'm I'm playing the spotlight. Um, your your comment about or your share about the person that had been in OA for like umpteen years, and um, had one thing, and that set her off and running, and. Um, you know, it's it's such a good cautionary tale, um, and uh, yeah, I and I appreciate. I was had lunch with my great niece yesterday. She just turned twenty one, and it's so neat to see kids uh, mature. You know, and I shared with her that I always stress around at Christmas about gifts because I'm always afraid that I won't give somebody as nice as something that they gave me. And I know it's, uh, it's materialistic. And, and she says, but you know, Janice, it's all about the connections. And it's, it's like, wow, that was so refreshing to hear a young person say that. And uh, um, so, yeah, that Christmas is not like it was when I was growing up. And, you know, you can't go home again. Um, but, um, and I'm the last of my closest, I'm, I mean, my sister's gone. My parents are gone. I had no kids. So I can totally relate to people when they share that Christmas is really kind of a lonely time. But um, fortunately for me, I have a church and I have connections. Maybe not the connections that I had, but I have them now. And uh, especially in OA, I feel like I've lost weight during COVID and I lost weight last I lost five pounds last month. I mean, that's amazing. And only with OA and God could I have done that. So I pass. Thank you, Janice. Who else wants recovery? Who else wants to share? So Sherry, I'll look to you and your group to whether or not we um, 
do the final reading and do the closing or or uh yeah sure um you guys if there isn't anybody else who oh um sorry i just saw oh um there is one other person who has commented to me that they might like to share do you want to go ahead and do that oh we've got odat so let's put odat on great odat you're up what would you like to share thank you and sorry it took me a while to come back on i um and this phone call may drop i don't have very good phone coverage um just just to give you warning there um but i do i want to express uh thanks to all those being of service on this line today to bring this meeting forth and i don't even know is there a specific topic i just i came back in late it's absence through the holidays um if you're struggling with anything related to absence during the holidays or you want to share what works particularly well for you or or anything else odette okay thank you um wow that's a lot right there yeah i'm definitely struggling and uh it's mainly in between it well, it's physically now but it's you know i and i i was aware of it when it was started in between the ears so i've been reaching out i've been telling people like, hey, I might as well, like, I'm also abstinent from alcohol, by God's grace, you know, it's, uh, um, but I've been telling people, hey, I've been wanting to drink, and I know that's not, you know, it's just something about the holidays this year, um, I do feel alone, and I'm really craving people, you know, um, like family and so forth, but I've been abstinent before, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I have to remember that this too shall pass. God has brought me through things, feelings like this. Uh, and I just have to just take it one day at a time and uh, do things like uh, open up and share, even though I don't want to share and um, uh, participate in my recovery. And, uh, you know, the tools, work the tools, work the steps by God's grace, because it can be worse. And I'm grateful, really, for, you know, having a roof over my head and, uh, you know, having a program and having family that does love me, even though I I find it challenging to connect with them. And I, I know I, I have a I have a sponsor in another program that can help me with that, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I experienced something recently with a uh, a new sponsor, but I didn't quite wasn't a good fit, so we parted ways. Uh, at, we we could see that after a couple of weeks, uh, we had two different ideas of uh, sponsorship, and I've been a sponsor myself, um, but uh, right now it's just taking things a day at a time, and uh, you know participating in my recovery, raising my hand if I don't want to, calling up newcomers. Uh, you know, taking phone calls as well, answering my phone, even though I don't want to, and just putting myself out there and coming outside the house, not being a, uh, uh, you know, even though I don't want to, it's warmer inside, so on and so forth. My higher power says, no, you get out, you know, walk around the block, you know, uh, this type of thing. And that's kind of where I'm at. And, um, yeah, and thank you all again, once again, for being of service bringing it forth. That'll pass. Thank you, Odette. We're glad you're here. Sherry. Hi, 
friends again, compulsive overeater and bulimic. My name is Sherry. Um, and there was just one other thing that popped into my mind that I thought I might share that was um, was my experience. And I remember other people saying that they had experienced it as well. And that was um, my very first year of, uh, no, it wasn't actually my first year. It was my, I had been abstinent. I came in in 94. I'd been abstinent. It took about a year to get abstinent. Then I'd been three, just over three years abstinence, I believe. And then I, I too had this similar situation that happened with your, um, as, as a couple of people have mentioned, I did have a, um, piece of chocolate and that was it. In six months, I gained 85 pounds. Um, and that was, it was, it was horrifying. It was absolutely horrifying. Um, and, and mainly because I'll just share that why it was above and beyond what was so difficult was that I was working, um, I was a talent agent at the time and, um, or I was an assistant at the time. And, um, all these actors would come in to pick up their, uh, which were called audition sides, which are their scripts that they have to read at an audition, but not everybody, not every actor has an audition every day. So there'd be actors that might not have been in for two weeks, two months, three months, four months since they had their last audition and they'd come by to pick up their sides, um, their, their, their readings for their audition. And so every single, pretty much every single day, there was somebody coming in who hadn't seen me in a while. And so every single day, the look on their face, the constant arrival of people with the look on their face of who is this, you know, like all like, uh, last time I saw you, you were 60 pounds less, you know, like that kind of thing. And I still couldn't stop. You know, it was like this utter shame every single day. And I still couldn't stop. So it took me three and a half years to get abstinent again after that relapse. And uh, my first experience of uh, abstinence again, held me from September through till December 26th. So I was like, stay absent through Christmas, stay absent through Christmas, 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 you know, just like get through the day, get through the day, get through the day. And it's almost like on the 26th, my walls of defense went down because I've been so concentrating on getting through to that day. And then the next day, everything fell apart. And I've heard other people share that as well. Um, so that, that idea, uh, which Wendy was talking about is it's just a Sunday. You know, it's another, it, it really is. It's just, I mean, yes, obviously there's a beautiful, a potentially beautiful idea to the day um, for some people more than others. And, and sometimes it's a real sad thing for some people. It, there's so much emotion and so much caught up in this one day, but essentially stripping all that away at just a Sunday. This is another day, just like there's a Saturday and a Sunday and a Monday. So putting so much effort into this one day as being something is just like, if I can strip that away, it'll make this whole season be so much easier um, because it's just today, just one day, that's it. So yeah, so hopefully um, that that uh, idea of just getting through, um, it's just another day. Um, just really want to reiterate that as being so helpful. Um, thank you for listening. And then we have um, Audrey. Thank Hi. you, Sherry. My name's Audrey. I'm a food addict. Um, 
I do want to share something, but I, I just I can't because I'm going to fall apart. But what I am going to share are these two pamphlets. They come in my pocket with me. This one is just for today. This one is Think First. This little one here is an outside program thing. It's not OA approved. So if you want to hear about that one, I'm willing to tell after the meeting. Um, I carry these with me and um, they get me through. Um, I need to plan. I need to plan my days ahead because if I if I fail to plan, I plan to fail. And um, Christmas Day, uh, Boxing Day, New Year's Eve, and New Year's Day definitely need planning. I don't know if I'm doing anything three of those days, um, but it's something that I think about well in advance because I don't want to be caught off guard. Uh, I am going to a friend's Christmas day and I have arranged to take a picture of my meal before I eat it that I will send to the person and I'm not going to touch it until I get a little check mark or a little heart or a little whatever. Um, and uh, it took me a long time to get abstinent and I've slipped and slid. I've gone into that big, dark, wide, black, open hole again. And every time I have relapsed, it's harder to get out. Um, and I can't afford another relapse because I don't know if I have another abstinence. And um, my abstinence is of utmost importance to me. And um, before that is, is my higher power, whom I call God. And without God, I, I am nothing. I have nothing. Um, so thank you again all for being here. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you, Audrey. I, I want to thank everyone for this beautiful meeting. I've been absent the whole time I've been with you on Zoom. I'm grateful for that. Um, and I just heard so much beautiful strength and hope and and pain and uh, just all glorious gifts and I just want to remind all of us that we're not alone if anybody uh, wants to reach out I'm certainly available by text or phone and I don't know if, if oh dad if you're comfortable staying on afterwards you want to give people your phone number and email address it's totally up to you it's not required but I thank you everybody very much for um, just being in a way with me and allowing me this privilege to be here with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Wendy. What a really wonderful meeting. Okay, so my goodness, I it feels like it just whipped by. Um, so we are now at the end of our meeting. Thank you so much, Wendy. It was so wonderful to have you with us. And we appreciate you sharing your experience, strength, and hope while giving service to the OA program because together we do get better.
A reminder that the opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. Uh, please remember to honor our commitment to each other's anonymity. Take the stories, but leave the names behind. OA's Rise, uh, OA Rise's goal is twofold, to provide speaker meetings twice a month and to maintain a website uh, where we store the recordings of our speakers for both you and the OA Fellowship. Please give what you can to keep OA Rise going. We will uh, post the seven tradition information one more time in the chat. And also, as mentioned earlier, OA Rise needs members to give service to this meeting. It is a very simple commitment that includes attending one business meeting and one speaker meeting per month. No Zoom experience is necessary. Please send a message to one of the co-hosts if you are willing to give service. Additionally, we're always looking for speakers and speaker suggestions. Thank you everyone for being with us here today. After we close, we will open up the chat for a short period of time so you can unmute yourselves. And if you wanna connect with others, please join us for another wonderful share of experience, strength and hope at our next speaker meeting, which will be on December 18th. And the topic is experience, strength and hope through service. We hope to see you all there. After a moment of silence, we will close with the uh, OA promise or Roseanne's prayer, or I put my hand in yours. Um, and uh, would you like to speak it aloud, Wendy? And um, those who wish can join me silently. Sure, I'd be honored. And just a little bit of OA history. I, um, I'm always hesitant to, I don't want to sound like I'm an OA know-it-all because I'm not, but um, that was written as part of Lifeline by Roseanne, our co-founder. And we used to call it the OA prayer. And she asked at a later Lifeline if we would not call it a prayer because the word God is never referenced in it, which I never noticed before. And so that's why I think we call it always promise or I put my hand in yours, but um, that would be great. Is it going to be on screen for other people or no? I think it is going to be posted. Have you got it there, Ms. Jan? One second. We have a one second. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want. I did not want to rush. No. Not everybody. Audrey not everybody knows. Audrey can post it in chat. Oh, Jan got it. Oh, okay, awesome. There we go. Terrific. All yours, Wendy. Okay. I put my hand in yours. And together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back. It works. Thank you so Thank you, much. everybody. Um, and I will allow people to unmute if you will. Thank you. This was great. Thank you. I already did, Sherry. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming, everybody. And Wendy, what a beautiful service. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Have a